Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. Glory, glory, glory. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Your word, O Lord, it is settled in heaven. And we settle it in our hearts. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul says, regarding the dispensation, verse 2, of the grace of God which was given to him to impart and to teach to us, Concerning that mystery that was hidden God from before the foundation of the world, and in Colossians he says, in Colossians 1 verse 27, that that mystery, the riches of the glory of that mystery among the Gentiles is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he says in verse 8, on, in First Ephesians 3, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given. This grace that I should preach among the Gentiles, those that were without God, the unsearchable riches, depths, and dimensions of Christ, of Christ himself. And to make all, all men see, grasp, comprehend, and receive, and know what is the fellowship of this mystery. What is their part in this mystery? What participation they have in this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery, which was from the very beginning of the world and had been hid in God. The Bible says now in, these la in the last time, that mystery is revealed, Christ in us. But it was hidden God from before the foundation of the world who had created all things by Jesus Christ. And it has been revealed unto us, the church, in this time for this purpose, verse 10. For the intent that now, in this time, unto the principalities and powers in the heavenlies might be made known by the church this manifold wisdom of God. And it will be done according to the eternal purpose which he had purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. According to what he had designed and ordained, in Christ, before the world ever was, Christ in whom we now have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. In fact, this very work of redemption that brings to pass and causes the will of God, the purpose of God, Christ in us to be our reality, this was accomplished in God from before the foundation of the world. The Bible says, in one place, that, um, that Christ was slain from before the foundation of the world. In another place, it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing according as he had chosen us from before the foundation of the world. But now in this time, it is brought to pass, this, uh, 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 as Christ in us is unveiled, 
the fulfillment of these things. Amen? Now, so it was the plan of God and the purpose of God from way back when. It was his ultimate purpose, so to speak, that that life of Christ would be made manifest in us and through us. In another place, it even says that, and so that, as Jesus is, so are we in this world, and as Jesus is, so might we be in this world, manifesting the very life of Christ and him living his life through us. Amen? That's what Christ in you, the hope of glory, is all about. The very end point, so it's about this nature of God. It is about this life of Christ. The end point of the very sacrifice of Christ. The end point of us being crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, resurrected with Christ, seated in the heavenly places in Christ, having his name, being washed by his blood, having, is that we might have Christ himself as our life and manifest the very nature of God. The very end point of the whole thing is the nature of God and the life of Christ living in us and emanating through us. That's the end point of the whole thing. That is the whole purpose of the sacrifice. Amen? And because it has all been finished, even before the foundation of the world, therefore, Ephesians 1 verse 3 and 4, you and I are blessed with every spiritual blessing according as he has chosen us. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And included in that every spiritual blessing is the very mind of Christ. Now, I want us to know today that not only are we blessed with every spiritual blessing, and not only that it is all finished, but I want us to know today that as even as it is the plan of God that the life of Christ, the nature of God, and Christ himself might live in us and through us, that God has given unto us the mind of Christ, and if we would let this mind of Christ that God has given us among the every spiritual blessings, if we would let this mind of Christ, which God has given us, if we would let the mind rule and dominate us, then all that God has purpose, purpose for you, for me, and for the church shall be fulfilled. That's an, that's, a, that's an awesome statement. If you and I would let the mind of Christ that God has blessed us with, that God has given unto us, if we will let that mind dominate us, rule, then all that God has purposed for us individually and collectively shall be fulfilled. Amen? Not one part of it will fail. Therefore, it is, you know, if that is so, then it is of the utmost importance that you and I are to let the mind, let this mind be in us which was also in Christ Jesus, and let this mind rule, reign, and dominate. And that's what this message is all about today. Amen? All right. Now in First Corinthians, but let us establish very quickly, First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 says, reading from verse 14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. First Corinthians 2 verse 14, and I'm headed to 16. The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God because they're foolishness to him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. And then verse 16. For who had known the mind of the Lord? Who had known the mind of the Lord? The counsels and the purposes of the Lord. 
that he may instruct him, that he may give him knowledge, that he may even fellowship with God around the truth of God's very own mind and thoughts and will and purposes and wisdom. Who had known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And then here's the statement, but we have the mind of Christ. Not will have, we have the mind of Christ. We, the, the Amplified says that we hold the very thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God's heart. In other words, Christ is in us and the thoughts that he has, he is carrying those thoughts within us. So we have the thoughts, we have the very mind of Christ, which is also the mind of God. Are you with me? For that reason it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30, For of God, Christ is made unto us wisdom. Amen? Now, whether, we, whether this is our experience or not, this is the truth. It may not be our experience that we are that, 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 that we that we reign with him. It may not be our experience that he has made all things subject unto us. It may not be our experience that by his stripes we were and we are healed. It may not be our experience that indeed when he gives us Jesus, he also gives us all things. It may not be our experience that we are indeed blessed with every spiritual blessing. But whether that be our experience or not, it is still the truth. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. He has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. And we, we are joint heirs with Christ. And he has made all things subject to us. And he has placed all things underneath our feet. And we do have the mind of Christ. Amen? So let us recognize that we have the mind of Christ. And let us receive it and declare it by faith. That we have the mind of Christ. Amen? We cannot receive Christ is made unto us wisdom and not also receive that we have the mind of Christ. Amen? So, we do have the mind of Christ. Now, what does this mind of Christ look like? Well, it is how Jesus thinks. It is how Jesus thought, talks. It is his attitude. It is his mindset. We have Jesus' mind, his mindset, his way of thinking. In Philippians, turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Let's just have a little peek some more at, at what this mind of Christ looks like. Because what it looks like is what we have. And then once we recognize that this is what we have, then the scripture says that we are to let that mind rule. Let that mind dominate. Amen? And in fact, as that mind dominates, and as we let that mind rule, that is how we find ourselves walking in the spirit and not in the flesh. Amen? So in Philippians chapter 2, talking about that mind, it says, pick it up in verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, that's a good phrase, lowliness of mind, the spirit, the true spirit of humility, let each esteem other better than themselves. In another place it's called preferring one another. Look not every man in his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind that, is just, that we've just been describing, this preferring of one another, this, this true spirit of humility and lowliness of mind, esteeming others better than they do themselves, let this mind be in you. 
Because this is the mind that was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, even though he was the son of God, and even though he had, even though all things were subject unto him, and even though he, he was, yes, wrapped in human flesh, but he was God, the word made flesh, he was God in flesh, even though that did be the case, and he thought it not worthy to be equal with God, but yet he made himself of no reputation. His own reputation didn't matter. His own reputation, he was not concerned about, about, about building a reputation for himself. And so it is, the mind of Christ, we are not to be concerned about our reputation. But instead he took upon himself the form of a servant. So there's that spirit of, of servanthood, serving, that is part of this mind of Christ. And he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, that issue of humility. And he became obedient unto death. Now, death was not his, was not what, was, was, wasn't something that he relished. This saying no to self wasn't something, well, um, well, the Bible says he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. But he was obedient unto death. This is part of the mind of Christ. Obedience. This is part of the mind of Christ. Saying no to self. He was obedient even to the death of the cross. And then, of course, it goes on to say how much the Father had exalted him. So, so that's part of what this mind of Christ looks like. Amen? Jesus said there's no, there's no greater love that any man had but that he would lay down his life for what? For his friends. And this laying down of one's life doesn't make you, even though you serve God and you serve people, yet Paul will say in Galatians 1 verse 10, that if I be the servant of men, I'm no longer the servant of God. It is not for the will of men that you are the servant of men. It is for the will of God, and it is unto the Lord, and not as unto men. Does that make sense? Right? It's very important to make to, to understand that distinction. In First Peter chapter four, again, what does this mind of Christ look like? Because this is what this is what we have. Say, I have this, and we must let this reign. We must let this dominate. First Peter chapter is it is it automatic? Is it easy? Not necessarily, but it is necessary. First Peter chapter four verse one. Peter says. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. Arm yourself likewise with the same mind, the mind that Christ has. Arm yourself, arm yourself because there's a war. Arm yourself because you're going to need it. Amen? First Peter chapter 4. Arm yourself likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin. And of course, the root of sin is self, isn't it not? All right, First Peter chapter 4. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. So this mind of Christ is not living to the lust of men, but it is living for the will of God. It is not even living to one's own will, but it is living to the will of God. And you will notice in these two verses how much is mentioned the word flesh. Let me read it again. For as much then as the children had suffered for us, sorry, <laughs> for, for as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. What same mind? Suffering for us in the flesh. So this mind is one of a suffering in the flesh. What do you mean suffering in the flesh? Does it mean it's the flesh having sickness and disease and being beaten and being bruised? No, it means saying no to the flesh. It means saying no to that nature. In, in, um, 
in, in, in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. Reckon it. So that suffering, that mind of Christ, even right here, tells you it is a suffering in the flesh. It is a saying no to the flesh. And he that does that and suffers in the flesh ceases from sin. He that says no to self, sin has no basis to operate. Amen? And as a result, you no longer live in your life. The rest of your, live the rest of your life in this flesh, this way you live, for the will of men, for the lust of men, but for the will of God. So this is just a little a snapshot of what this mind looks like. What this mind of Christ that we have, that we are to let rule and let dominate. Now, if you were to go back into, go back into Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, Let, let this mind be in you. Let the same attitude, let the same purpose, let the same humility, let this sense of submission, let this no, no self, let this this is obedience. And I, in another place, Jesus talk, calls it taking up your cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But now here, about it, it says, so on the one hand, we see that we do have this mind of Christ and what it looks like. But this verse also says, in verse, the, let, it says let. You got to let it. In other words, you can choose to not let it. Amen? It's up to you. You know, the same it says, resist the devil. You don't have to, but you should. It says, let this mind be in you. You don't have to, but you should. So it says, you let. Amen? You let. Say, I let. I in other words, then, here is the mind of Christ. I have it. It's in my spirit. Now, let it rain. Let it rise up. Let it dominate my thinking. Let it dominate my attitudes. Let it dominate my speech. Let this mind of Christ, let it reign. Let it have dominion. Amen? Let it dominate. Now why? So, why should this mind of Christ be such a priority in our lives? Why should it? Well, I started off by saying that the reason why we, that we are to let this mind dominate us, and if it does, then all of God has designed and purpose for you individually and for the church collectively shall be fulfilled. In other words, if I would make one big blanket statement, it would be this, that if that mind of Christ rules and dominates, everything that God has purposed in your life will be fulfilled. Everything that he has called will be done. All the grace will become available. Amen? Now, that's, those are huge statements, so let's examine it. Let's examine it a little bit. Take, let's take, for instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, we have no doubt that when we are born again, that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Is that right? All right. And I don't think we would, we, we, we would, we would um, argue against the fact that that love that is shed abroad in our heart is also to dominate and rule. Is that right? Well, what does that look like? Well, uh, without going through the whole thing in First Corinthians chapter 13, just reading a few verses, verse 4 to 8 in the Amplified, it says that our love that has been shed abroad in your heart, it endures long, it is patient, 
It is kind. It is never envious. It, boils, it, 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 it doesn't boil over with jealousy. It is not boastful. It's not vainglorious. It doesn't display itself haughtily. It's not conceited and arrogant and inflated with pride. It's not rude and unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. That love, God's love in us, doesn't insist on its own rights. There we go, there you go. And its own way. For it is not self-seeking. So it's not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It doesn't rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. It bears upon anything and everything that comes and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. That love never fails. Now, if you examine it, this no envy, no boiling over, no, no boasting, no vaingloriousness, not rude, not da, 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 kind and gentle. And I think about this because I remember a situation some time ago in a counseling situation um, with some folks that were getting married at the time. And, um, and, 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 you know, for a period of time, whenever we come to, whenever my wife and I would come to people uh, going into marriage, one of the things we like to do is give them a book um, that speaks about God, Bible of Languages which I believe is a very good book. Amen? And I believe the principles in it are, are, are solid. I'm not, I don't want to take away from that book. But I also want to emphasize the word of God above any book. Because in that, it speaks about the fact that as, 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 as married people, and even as parent and child, and so on, that there, there are these five things that we can do to make the next person feel uh, loved, feel, you know, to lift them up and to encourage them. And I don't, let me see if I remember the five things, but number one is words of encouragement. Amen? Words of encouragement that would build them up, that would, you know, right? you're a smart child and you can be all that God intended you to be. You're beautiful, you're wonderful, etc. Right? You're special. And then there's, word, there's words of encouragement. There is, um, there is service, you know what I mean? <laughs> that could be the washing of the feet, that could be doing the dishes, that could be the laundry, that could be mowing the lawn, that could be, um, you know, you sit down I'll get, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll make you a sandwich, I'll get you a cup of tea. There is service. There is touch, which could be anything from holding hands to, to, a, to a handshake or, 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 or a pat on the head or whatever the case might be, depending on the relationship. Then there is the giving of gifts, flowers and roses and, you know, exactly something that, that you, you know, that someone you felt would be a blessing and an encouragement to that person. And then there is attention, time, quality time. You know what I mean? Quality time, whether it be watching a, a movie together, whether it be sharing something that, that is an interesting to the other and just having undivided attention to each other. And those things are valid. But do you know you can do each and every one of those things? And you can do those things, give someone attention, you know, um, give, speak the words of encouragement and, and, and so on and so forth. 
you can serve them, um, you can touch them, you can do all those things, and still the love of God described here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 could be missing. Do you know that? Which is to say then that the ultimate fulfillment of the love of God, thank God for the five love language and the practical ways it can cause us to interact, amen, and be an encouragement to one another. But the five love languages will not bring the fulfillment that this word is talking about. It is, it, is, it is the love of God. This love of God described here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 can only be fulfilled by the Spirit of God. And quite frankly, here is my point, can only be fulfilled by us functioning in the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ that says no to self. The mind of Christ that is service. The mind of Christ that is clothed and consumed with Christ. Partaking of his flesh and, and of his blood and being consumed with him. The mind of Christ that, 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 that is not after one's own reputation. The mind of Christ that is not self-seeking. Are you with me? All right? The mind of Christ that is patient. And so on. It is the mind of Christ that produces that. In other words, the mind of Christ is the very key by which you can now walk out 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Right? And if you were to go to Ephesians chapter 5, we don't go in there. Husbands love your wife, even as Christ loved the church. Submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. That's a wonderful, awesome statement, is it not? But how do you submit one to another? What is the key? What is the master key? The key is the mind of Christ. Where it's not about me and it's not about I, but it is about you and it is about as unto the Lord in the fear of God, in honor to him. Jesus learned obedience by the things which he suffered, the Bible says, by saying no to flesh. And he was not heard because of his much crying and, and because of his tears, but he was heard because he what? Feared God. Whatever he did, he did it as unto the Lord. Amen? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. I mean, look at the situation with Peter. Right? I mean, Jesus knew what was going to go down. Jesus knew that Peter was going to betray him. Jesus knew those things. Uh, but not betray him in, in the full sense, but deny him. But yet, what did Jesus do? Jesus said, I stayed in the gap. I prayed for you. So that, uh, so that, so that even, though the, even though my prayer might not stop this from happening, even after this happened, and you recover, I pray that your faith will not fail. That you wouldn't utterly fall. And that when you are restored, I want you to come back and step in to what I have designed and called you for. That you would be a little rock. Are you with me? How could Jesus do that knowing what he knew? Because of the mind of Christ. Are you with me? Because of the mind of Christ that dominated him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So why should we make it such a priority? Because is the love of God a priority? Hmm? Is the fear of the Lord, is submission, submitting one to another? Elders, younger, is, is, is it a priority? Yes, it is. Amen? Yes, it is. But as if that was not enough, let's consider for a moment the purposes of God and what he's called you to. Let's just quickly go through a few of them. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful. Are you okay with that? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Is God faithful? Yes. By whom you were called unto the fellowship 
of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have been called into fellowship, into communion, into companionship, into participation with his son, Jesus Christ. And it, it will say in the epistle of John, our fellowship is also with the Father and with the Son. Is that right? But so we've been called to this. God says, I've brought you, I've saved you, and, I'm, and, I'm, and here, is my, here is part of my objective. To bring you into companionship and participation and oneness and fellowship and harmony with my Son and with me. Well, the Bible says two cannot walk together except they be what? Agreed. Right? Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? You want to walk with me? You want to be where I am? What does he say? Take up your walk. Right? And that taking up of your cross means what? Denying yourself. Isn't that right? So now, the key to this fellowship that we are called to is denying of oneself. In fact, the very essence of humility, submitting yourself, being clothed with Christ. The Bible says God gives what? Grace to the humble, but he does what? Resists the? Which means what? He resists the one that is full of himself. Isn't that right? So this very fellowship is connected up to the mind of Christ. You see, the mind of Christ is basically about saying no to self. Arm yourself with this mind. That's the essence of the mind of Christ. And that is the key to the love of God. That is the key to submission. And that is the key to fellowshipping with God and with his son Jesus. And quite frankly, with the Holy Ghost. Because the Bible says he knows them afar off that are proud. Isn't that right? But what about grace? Isn't grace awesome? The sufficiency, the enablement, the empowerment, and the ability of God that we haven't paid for, but Jesus paid for the riches of God at Christ's expense. And that grace is available to us for all true faith. It is the faith that is me by grace that the promise might be available to all the seed. The grace of God is wonderful. It's immeasurable. It's awesome. It's the ability of God. It's the riches of God. And you see, yeah, but it's available to us by faith, but our faith works by love. But look at this grace from, look at this for a moment. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Paul says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. We and I have been called not only into fellowship, the fellowship of Christ, partnership, participation, companionship, but we've also been called into the grace and the, the and, the and the sufficiency and the enablement of Christ. Which is to say, since Christ is anointing, we've been called to that anointing and the power and the grace and the life and the, and, and the abilities that come out of that anointing that makes it possible to break yokes and remove burdens. And do all things true, that anointing that strengthens us. We've been called to that. We've been called to the grace of Christ. Now, again, it's the same thing. Who does he give grace to? The humble. Amen? Which is who? The one clothed with Christ. What is the essence, part of the essence of the mind of Christ? Humility. Can you see what I'm saying? So again, we want to operate in the grace. We want the love of God. We want the fellowship. But what is the key? The mind of Christ. And again, in another place, you know, it says that Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. In Hebrews 2 verse 10, 
And in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, it speaks about the fact that he has called us to glory and virtue, to glory in the very essence of, 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 of God's being. The glory. Hallelujah. But it also says that the suffering is not worthy to be compared with that glory. When we study it out, we will also see to partake in the very life and in the very power and in the very nature is connected up again to the suffering. And we could go on and 1 Thessalonians 2.12, we are called to the kingdom of God. We have the kingdom of God is in us and we are to manifest it and operate in it. But it's not meat and drink. It is what? Righteousness. What's that? Oneness with God. Isn't that right? Right? You can't operate in oneness with God. Jesus, the Bible says if you're going to, to, to operate in that oneness, this righteousness, how, what, is that, what is connected to that righteousness? Colossians, sorry, Galatians 2 verse 21 says that that righteousness comes not by law, but that righteousness is basically the essence of Galatians 2 20. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that lives in you. And the life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God because you've been crucified with Christ so that you can have this life. Amen? So the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. But our very righteousness is directly connected to this mind of Christ, this oneness. And then about holiness, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 7, we call to holiness. Well, that's very easy to see, that we cannot operate in that holiness, in that God-only, God-dominating, and self-dominating. It's not possible. Amen? The reason why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter, what is it, 12, I believe it is, that God corrects us. The reason he corrects us, the reason he chases us and corrects us is for the very purpose that we might partake of what? His holiness. So it means that a lot of that correcting must be to get rid of ourselves, isn't it? <laughs> Think about it. Now look at this verse of scripture, verse Peter chapter 2. So, and, and, and there are more, there are other things that we are called to as well. Amen? But you will find that all of these wonderful, glorious things that we are called to, that the master key to them all is the mind of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, it says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, leaving us an example that we should say no to self. Amen? So it says then that we are, in another place it says we are partakers of Christ's suffering. We are partakers of Christ's suffering. I believe that's first, first um, Peter chapter 4 and verse 13. He even tells us that we should rejoice over it. <laughs> Amen? So the key to all of these various things that we are called to, we are called with a holy calling, called to holiness, called to the fellowship of Christ and participation in his life, called to, called to his grace, called to the anointing, called to the kingdom, called to the glory, the excellency of God, called to all of this, but then the key to it all is the suffering of Christ. The key and the key, to, the essence of the suffering of Christ is no to self, and, and that is basically a, not a definition or translation of the mind of Christ. Arm yourself with this mind. But here's the good news: Romans eight verse eighteen says that the suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory. 
In other words, the glory will so far exceed that. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured. He endured the cross. But for the joy that is set before us, for the glory that shall be revealed at the unveiling of him, the grace that is brought unto us at the unveiling of this life of Christ, 1 Peter 1.13. And that glory that is connected is so awesome that the suffering is not worthy to be completed. And then when we recognize that, then we can, uh, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 13, rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. Rejoice! Because if we partake of it, uh, if we suffer with him, we shall also what? Reign with him. We shall be glorified together with him. That's what the word of God says. We will partake of his glory, his excellence. It's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen? The very essence of the suffering of Christ and the very essence of, of, of the suffering of Christ is the mind of Christ. They're connected. The key to the believer's life. We can talk about we, we are believers. We are a new creation. We are this and we are that. And all of these wonderful things. Kings and priests unto God. But you'll find at the center of it all is, is this issue of the mind of Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, for as much as, it, it says, um, the love of Christ constrains us and we judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. So that they which live should no longer live for themselves, but unto him that died for them and rose again. That's the mind of Christ. Think about it. Amen. This mind of Christ is the key to the very nature of Christ, which is what God had ordained from the foundation of the world, which is the centerpiece of why Jesus went to the cross, that we would function in the nature of Christ. Isn't it? Look at, look at 1 Peter chapter 5. For the God of all grace, Let's, let's pick it up. Ooh. Okay, let me just read. I'll try to just read from verse 6. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your cares upon him. That's an important part of humbling yourself. If you're not casting all your cares upon him, you're keeping it. And if you're keeping it, then you're depending on yourself. And if you're depending on yourself, then you're not trusting in God. You're trusting in the arm of flesh. So part of humbling yourself is to cast all your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. And be sober. Think straight. Think like God. Have the mind of Christ. Be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, is roaring. Is as a roaring lion walking about. Seeking whom he may devour. Those that are keeping the cares, he could devour them. Those that are trusting in themselves, he could devour them. Those that are not in the place of humility, uh, he can devour them. But we have to resist him steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the confidence of what Jesus has finished. Knowing that the same affliction... Knowing that it's resisting, knowing that it's saying no to the flesh, knowing that it's saying no to this, no to self, this is what is accomplished in all of your brethren. There is no believer that can live the life of a believer without saying no to the flesh. It is a common affliction and pressure that we all have to go through while we are in this world. Are you with me? But 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 verse ten, the God of all grace, who gives more grace. Where self abound, where grace, where sin abound, 
what happened? Grace abounds. He gives more grace to the humble. But the God of all grace who have called us, called us to what? Eternal glory. That's the nature of God. Man, you Christian, that's the essence of his being. He is called us with by Christ Jesus. After you have what? Suffered a while. We're not talking sickness and disease. After you've continued to say no to self, Jesus learned obedience. He came to that place by the things which you suffered. Hebrews 5, by learning to say that. He did that. He did that right to the very end. He even refused to defend himself. Amen? Give no place to that spirit of offense that want to be defense, that, that is driven by self. So the life you've suffered for a while make you what? Perfect. Oh my. You mean this suffering has to do with perfection? The more I say no to self, somehow the other there's a maturing and a perfecting. Does that mean then that the, and since this suffering is connected to the mind of Christ, should, does that also mean that the degree to which I function in the mind of Christ is a, is a reflection of my maturity? Ha, ha, ha. Interesting, isn't it? Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So there's a key to the maturing, to the mind of Christ. It is a, sorry, it's a key to the nature of Christ, that eternal glory. It is a key to the maturing of the saints. Luke chapter 14, verse 26, again. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Say, I have the mind of Christ. I yield to the mind of Christ. I let the mind of Christ rule me. I let the mind of Christ dominate me. Glory to God. So Luke chapter 14, 26 says, Jesus says, if a man, now it, it, this is interesting, verse 25, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned, a whole multitude is following him, amen? And Jesus turned around to them, right? And Jesus says, oh, what a wonderful, how great a congregation. No, no, no. Jesus turned around to them and says, if any <laughs> come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Even though he's following me, even though he wants to be, if he doesn't do this, he cannot be my disciple. If he doesn't say no to self. Because whoever will not bear his, whosoever does not bear his own cross, which is what saying no to self is, and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. Is that what that scripture said? Now, we know that's connected up to offense and so on and so forth. Right? And then, of course, it, uh, we could go to so many other scriptures that says, he said, unless you lay down that life, you can't have my life. So he basically says, this is how you're going to have my life. This is how you're going to function in my nature. This is how you're going to be where I am. When I went to the cross and when I took my blood to the throne of God and when I went to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also, this is what it was all about. Amen. I've given you the mind of Christ. Now let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. There was a rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10 and in a few other places. Where the, rich, the rich young ruler, Mark chapter 10, let me flip over there, Mark chapter 10. The rich young ruler had, had said, well, what can I do to, 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 to inherit eternal life? Remember that? He says, I want this life. I want this nature of God dominating me. I want this. He said, what can I do? 
And Jesus and, 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 and Jesus asked him, okay, let me pick it up verse 17. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeling to him. Look, isn't that diligent? Worshipping and asking him, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? This is what I want, Can I, that I would inherit the eternal life, and eternal life is the nature of God, is it not? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And all of those, incidentally, is connected up with people. Right? It is not about having idols and, and, and so on. It's all connected with people. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. Jesus didn't turn around and say, No, no, no. You didn't observe these. He didn't say that. Jesus didn't challenge him on that. But then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And said unto him, One. One thing thou lackest. Well, aren't you glad there's only one? If it was you, you'd probably say ten things you lack. <laughs> anyway. He says, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you shall have what? Treasure in heaven. What is this treasure? This man wanted eternal life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, talking about the glory of God, and it says we have this treasure. Where? In our investors. That treasure is the very nature of God. That treasure is God himself. It is the nature of God. It's the riches of Christ. It's Christ in you. And you will have treasure in heaven. That nature. And come, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says the only way you're going to have this is not by the keeping of all of these laws and all of these rules, but it is by taking up your cross. It's by denying yourself. It is by functioning in the man of Christ. What am I saying? Why, again, is it so imperative and so much of a priority that we would let this mind rule, let this mind dominate? Well, among other things, it's the key to functioning in the nature of Christ, the nature of God, which is the very purpose that God had from the very outset. Amen? And as I said, it's the measure of our maturity. The disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, who is the greatest among us? And he brought a little child and put him in the midst. And he says, if you humble yourself like this little one, those are the ones that are great in the kingdom. Humble. Humbleness of mind. Humility. That's part of the essence of the mind of Christ. In other words, this mind of Christ is indeed a measure of your maturity. Now, we have to let that mind rule. Let that mind dominate you. But let me say this. In order, now I've said it already, I'm just saying it another way. In order for that mind of Christ to dominate you, crucifixion must dominate you. Because the problem with not walking in the mind of Christ is self being alive. And it's only and crucifixion and the sacrifice was designed to put an end to self. Amen? Paul says that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. 
being made conformable even after his death. Amen? Philippians 3 verse 10. And he says that is necessary so that I can be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, but being in that oneness. Not having my own righteousness based on my works and the law, but the righteousness which is of God by faith. Because that's what is necessary. That's what I want. He says, I, 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 because of that, and because I want to know him, I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable even unto his death. So, to even walk in this mind of Christ, the key is crucifixion, just by definition. Amen? Jesus said something. Let's look over there for a moment. John chapter 6. <laughs> because you see, when we talk about the mind of Christ, we're talking about no to self. We're talking about humility. We're talking about a, a, a servant mindset. We're talking about obedience. We're talking about doing the will of the Father. Amen? In John chapter 6, verse 53, Jesus says, Very, very, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no what? You don't have that eternal life. You don't have that life dominating you. And that's what we want, is it not? It's not what God had planned. But Jesus said, the only way you're going to have this life dominating you, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, which means what? You're going to have to be consumed with me. You're going to have to be clothed with Christ. Romans 13, 14. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make what? No provision for the flesh. He says that's the only way you're going to have that life. You're going to have to be consumed with me. And that's what he meant when he says, drink my flesh, drink my blood and eat my flesh. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, he has this eternal life and nature. And I'm going to raise him up at the last day. Well, some of that last day is now. Amen? Not just when he comes back, it's now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, the mind of Christ. Humbleness of mind. Let this mind, allow this mind to dominate you. Not to self. Servanthood. Obedience. It is the mind of Christ that produces the love of God. It is the mind of Christ that produces submission one to another. It is the mind of Christ that will cause us to, 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 to prefer one another. It is the mind of Christ that will cause the nature of Christ to be made manifest. And 1 Peter 4 verse 13 says, Rejoice in that you are partakers of Christ's suffering. We have the mind of Christ. But it says, let it rule. Let it reign. You have it? Let it dominate. Simple, isn't it? Right? I mean, it's clear. <laughs> it's simple? It's, it is simple. <laughs> it's only but not easy. <laughs> clear but not clear but not clear and simple but not simple to necessarily do. Only believe. Doesn't mean believing is easy. You have to work at it. This is the work of the believer. To believe in him. To believe the gospel. Hallelujah. To believe according as it is written. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. Jesus says if you seek the applause that comes from men, you can't believe. <laughs> John 5, 544. If you seek your own reputation, you're not in the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Well, I think that's clear, so I'll leave it there. It is clear, leave it there. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. Eh? <laughs> blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, blessed are they that. Blessed are they that what? Hear it. <laughs> Amen. Father, we thank you. Lord God Almighty, let's just stand for a moment and just thank God for his word. Lord, we receive your word, not as a word of a man, but as it is indeed the word of God. We receive with meekness this word, and we desire that it would become so engrafted in us, that it would save our souls and deliver us, and bring our soul from out from underneath the rule and the dominion of the enemy, and bring our soul into that place where it is so governed, by the Spirit of God and the love of God in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us a place in your kingdom, in your Son. You've given us the mind of Christ. And Lord, this morning we just endeavor to let this mind be in us, dominate, rule, you said if we, if we suffer with him, we're also going to live with him and be glorified together with him. And the suffering is not worthy to be compared with the glory, which is going to be unveiled and, and revealed in us. So we rejoice that we are partakers of Christ's suffering and fulfill the very suffering of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember the place where Paul says that I must fulfill the suffering of Christ as if, as if there's something Jesus left out? You remember that first scripture? I have to dig it up. <laughs> That's part of what he was talking about. Jesus didn't leave anything out. But we, got, but we are also partakers of it. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord.